morning looking at Luke, the 19th chapter. We are looking at the uh, uh, story where Jesus came riding triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem. We call it this day Palm Sunday because the people were celebrating his coming and throwing down palm leaves and just having a big to-do as Jesus came into the city. We want to take a look at that this morning. It says, when he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Everybody say loud voices. In loud voices. Why were they loud? Because of all the miracles they had seen. Sometimes people say, well, what is the deal with you people? Why do you get so excited? Why do you sing and clap and do all the stuff that you do? Can't you be more dignified? Well, I'm sure we can from time to time, but we like doing that. Why? Because of all the miracles that we've seen. You see, when you begin to experience God's grace in your life, when you truly start to experience Jesus, not just learn about him, but to truly have a relationship with him, see answers to prayer, see God moving in your life, it causes you to want to talk with a loud voice and to celebrate his blessings in our lives. And the Bible says that they began to shout out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. I like the explanation points there. Uh, And then he says, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now this was not some Gregorian chant that they were doing in unison. All right? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Wasn't one of these things. And that's cool if you like doing that sort of stuff. But this was spontaneous, yeehaw, kind of celebrating. And they were shouting it out with the exclamation points there. And it made some people very uncomfortable, which is usually the case. Because the next verse says that some of the Pharisees in the crowd, guys who were more used to proper worship, said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to calm down. Get a little too, too excited here. You don't want to become a fanatic. It's interesting. If you cheer for football, you're a fan. If you cheer for Jesus, you're a fanatic. <laughs> rebuke your disciples. It's too much. Who says it's too much? See, it's very much a matter of perspective. I like to use the analogy of great stimulus, great response means you're normal. If you have a great stimulus and you respond greatly, that's normal. If you're watching a football game and it's the championship game and the Packers are on the one-yard line, fourth and one, and all of a sudden they score the touchdown, everybody goes crazy. Why? Because great stimulus, an intense moment. Woohoo! We win! Everybody goes nuts. That's normal. If you have a great stimulus and little response, in other words, if that happens and someone stood up and said, Let us all stand and give thanks to the Packers for what they have done. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. Now, on the other hand, if you're in the stands and you're screaming and jumping and going insane and there's no one on the field, (laughs) you might be crazy. Why? Because no stimulus but great response. You see? But if you have a great stimulus and a great response, that's normal. And on this day, these people had a great stimulus. Here comes Jesus. 
riding into the city. And when you have this relationship with God and God blesses your life, that's a great stimulus. And it is appropriate and normal and and right to praise and worship and celebrate God. Oh, there's one guy. All right. Now, I get different people have different types of worship, and I I understand it. You know, I, I grew up in a church that was somber all the time. And you came into church and you had to be very, very quiet. It's kind of like when dad is mad at the house, you know. That's when everybody gets quiet. It's almost like, shh, God is really ticked off. <laughs> you know, I got news for you this morning. God knows you're here. <laughs> and he's not ticked off at you. And he loves it when people celebrate and worship him. People in general do not understand joy from a spiritual perspective. I cannot tell you how many times I have people have asked me, are you high? (laughs) I get this quite regularly. I walk into a place, I'm just grinning. I'm always smiling. People say, why are you always smiling? Because Jesus loves me, man. I'll tell you, I, I was not a happy sinner. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you say they're out there partying and everything and they're really enjoying it, you know. I, I wasn't enjoying it. I, it just, it just, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's weird to me. It's not people who are happy after they meet Jesus. It's people who try to be happy before they meet Jesus. That's weird to me. You know, there's not a whole lot to be happy about. You know, you got to have some outside stimulus and stuff. But man, when Jesus came into my life, I got very happy. And I've got this perennial grin stuck on my face. It's just all the time. And uh, you know, people, I was, this one time I was, uh, I was in Chicago, Illinois. <clears throat> and I'm standing on a street corner with a, with a briefcase uh, with, with a friend of mine. He was in, he's a missionary friend. He was getting his uh, uh, passport and stuff straightened out. Anyway, so here I am, downtown Chicago, on a corner, holding a briefcase, grinning. And uh, this guy comes up to me, and he comes up alongside me, starts looking around, and goes, What you got in the bag, man? And, And I go, What? He goes, What you got in the bag? And I go, I got some really good stuff, man. <laughs> this guy gets really excited. He goes, oh, oh, man, great. What is it? What is it? I said, okay, just a minute. Come here. So I came around the corner and I got down on the briefcase and looking around. And the guy's looking, he's looking all over the place, picture it. I pop open the briefcase and I grab my Bible. And and I hand it to him. And he goes. He says, uh, what do you do? Lick the pages? I said, uh, no, no, man, you, you read it. Goes, oh, man, 
<laughs> he goes away. But I'll tell you what, that'll bring you greater joy than smoking something. That'll bring greater joy than drinking something. Man, I love this stuff. I love having faith. I love knowing Jesus in my heart. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. But a lot of people in church, they sing, you know, Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. It's like they're baptized and pruned you, some of these people. You know, you look at them, just all. What's in the bag, man? We believe in celebrating Jesus here. You know, everybody celebrates. People say, well, you know, I, I just don't like that. You know, I like that church, but they'll get a little too too loud, too excited for me. I don't like doing that kind of thing. You, oh. <laughs> you do the same thing, just what you celebrate. People get together at their parties, they celebrate sports, sporting events, they celebrate. Something goes good. All they got to do is bowl a good game, man. They're jumping up and howling and oh. Everybody celebrates just what you choose to celebrate. Sadly, a lot of people choose not to celebrate Jesus. People of faith should not be like that. Now, we don't get too crazy here. At least I don't think we do. I've been in crazy. (laughs) You know, the first service I said we're we're charismatics with seatbelts. You know, we're not quite totally insane here. And I get it, if it's the first time you've ever been to a place like this, it can be a little unnerving. You know, people raising their hands like, whoa, what's happening, what's happening? You know, it's just spontaneous. Actually, I had a friend once who uh, I brought into a church service for the very first time. And it was one of these church services where the pastors asked everybody to stand and raise their hand to pray for somebody at front, you know. And this guy walks in, he freaks out. All he sees is a bunch of white people going like this. Thought he was in some kind of a Nazi skinhead thing, you know. I said, no, 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 they're just praying. He said, oh, man, that freaked me out. That freaked me out, you know. But uh, anyway, the people, the, the, the religious leaders told Jesus, tell them to knock it off. Settle down. Be quiet. And Jesus responds to them in the next verse. He says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. The moral of the story, Jack, is you can be replaced with a rock. I do not want a rock replacing me. I want to sing my praises to God. I want to celebrate and enjoy my relationship with Jesus. I don't want some rock taking over for me. Amen. In a minute, we're going to have uh, Pastor Joel come. Today's uh, Mission Sunday, and he's going to share with you just a little bit at the close of the service here. So I just, real briefly, I've just got two little... Suggestions here on how you can walk in joy in your life. Which, by the way, it's not just in here. You know, people will celebrate in here and they'll be smiling something. They get out there and they, you know, 
suck it on lemons, you know. But you, you need to get out there and let this celebrate on the inside all the time. This wonderful grace of God that's in you. It will get people's attention. You know, they may not all ask you if you're high. <laughs> Although I get that a lot. But they'll, they'll notice something and say, what, what is it with you? What's different about you? It's a great opportunity to open up and just say, you know, I'm... Jesus loves me, man. You know, God loves me. He blesses my life. You know, this, wow. I tell you, people aren't used to hearing stuff like that. Um, but uh, anyway, two suggestions here um, to uh, experience joy in your life. There's lots of different ones, but we'll just hit two. One is just very simply is don't worry so much. Quit freaking out about everything. Always trying to analyze and making sure everything's done way in advance or everything just lines up perfectly. Um, God knows your life. It's not a surprise that you're here this morning. He didn't go, wow, I never thought I'd see that guy here. You know, he knows who you are. He's got it all worked out. You may not see it, but he sees it. And you can trust him. In fact, if we back up a little bit before where Jesus comes into Jerusalem, it says, um, in verse 29, it says, As he was approaching Bethpage in Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Uh, which actually is a little part of the miracle. You don't just hop on a colt or a donkey that hasn't been broken. This one, no one, and Jesus sat on it, and that thing did not respond at all. And it just walked and carried him. Kind of a little little side miracle there. But anyway, Jesus says, when you see this thing, just untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell them, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. Walking, there's, that, there's a donkey just standing there. And as they went... To untie the, the, the colt, its owner said, Yo, Jack, what are you doing? Different translation. <laughs> but uh, what, are you, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, at this point, they're stealing. All right? The judge would not like that. Okay? You don't steal. You're going to get... So this guy, they're stealing the guy's colt at this point. They didn't ask anything. Just showed up and just start taking it. And what are you doing? And they remembered what Jesus said. And they said, Well, the Lord needs it. And I don't know who these people were, but that was good enough for them. Boy, could we use some of that around in the world more, huh? People, Christians who are truly uh, sold out to Jesus, that God calls and requires. Yeah, you need to understand, everything you've got don't belong to you. Not if you're a believer. It belongs to him. Letting go of stuff. You know, somebody just hang on to stuff so tight. You can't be like that. But these guys weren't like that. And when, as soon as they found out the Lord needed it, they said, it's cool. And they went and took it. Now what's really phenomenal about here is this, Jesus knew all this stuff as they were coming up. Knew exactly where this thing would be. Knew that these guys would ask. Knew what to say back to them so that everything would be fulfilled. God knows where you're going. God knows your future. Quit trying to th- freak out constantly about things you cannot control. Faith is essentially stepping where you're not quite sure. We have people today who live in such a spirit of fear. They're so afraid. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been doing a series on family and what it means to be a healthy man, healthy woman. And, and I'll get back into that after we get through the Easter season here and stuff like that. But uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm so inspired by this stuff. I, I, I've been talking to some guys. I want to start a, a, a national men's ministry. Just a real in-your-face men's ministry. I, I think I'm going to call it butt kickers. <laughs> a butt kicker is a promise keeper with an attitude. And uh, and just, you know, and, and a lot of men, men understand, a lot of men's greatest fear is, is failure. 
they're afraid, they're afraid they'll fail. Every guy's got this haunting voice in them that says, you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser. Guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, you got that haunting thing inside of you. Uh, but you need to tell it to shut up and not be afraid to fail. Anybody who does anything worthwhile takes a risk. The judge running takes a risk. A lot of guys would never do that. Why? Because they might lose. The fear of losing is so great in people's lives, they won't take the chance because, you know, and they do nothing. They spend their entire lives in this gray shadow of no risk. That's not a place for a man to be. Men ought to be strong and confident, be willing to step out and not be afraid. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But the whole idea of faith is essentially you're stepping where you're not quite sure. If, if you knew that you knew that you knew, there's no faith in that. That's easy. That's easy to do. What's hard is when you're not sure. You know, a lot of people, they spiritualize their fear. And they make it sound holy by saying, well, I don't want to do anything until God tells me. God tells me, you know. You know like they're Moses or something. <laughs> and what they're really saying is they really want God to literally tell them the next step to make. And they call it obedience and holiness. It's not obedience and holiness, it's fear. They don't want to do anything until, unless they know that they know that they know. And God gives them a revelation and a dream and technicolor. And something happens and they know that they know. Then they feel God told them and then they can take the step. You're just being a chicken. Stop it. You can step out in faith. Faith is stepping where you're not quite sure. The good news is while I may not know everything that's about to happen or going to happen tomorrow. I know the one who controls everything that's about to happen. And I can trust him. And I can learn from my experiences. And I can step out in faith. So, uh, number one, quit trying to figure everything out ahead of time. By trying to analyze uh, and, and come up with all your answers before you step out. And then number two, very simply, you know, chill out. Check your medication. Do something. Some people just so wound up all the time. Just <laughs> about everything. I was thinking of this story in Luke a little bit earlier. Uh, in Luke, we back up, and it says in Luke, the 10th chapter, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So here they are, Jesus comes over, it's a big deal. You know, Jesus is really some thousands of people are following him. This is, this is you know, he's the rock star of the day. Jesus comes over and Martha's got all these preparations and, and Mary's sitting there just listening to Jesus. And Mary got, or Martha got kind of hacked off about the whole deal. And uh, in verse 40 says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to get with the program. I got lots to do here. I got things to figure out. I got to do. <laughs> Jesus said, Martha, Martha, chill out. You are worried and upset about many things. Boy, if that doesn't describe a lot of Christians. Worried and upset about a lot of things. How you doing? I'm worried. How you doing? I'm upset. Worried and upset. Just. What are you worried about? I don't know what's going to happen. What are you upset about? What I thought would happen didn't happen. Good night, you know. I'm, I'm so shocked by people who are shocked when life doesn't go the way they thought it would. I really am. I just wonder, does everybody live in that much of a bubble? I mean, really, that everything you thought was going to happen, you're shocked when it doesn't happen? 
You know, amazing. But you know, as, as I travel the country and, and I do these marriage conferences, you know, the one scripture I start with is, uh, "He who marries will have trouble in this life." Right? Why is my marriage stinking? Because he who marries will have trouble in this life. Why are we having a hard time? Because he who marries will have trouble in this life. The Bible was pretty clear about it. Now, it's still a wonderful institution. I think it rocks, but it's not without problems. And people who get married and they're shocked, shocked and amazed when the guy turns out to be lazier than she thought. When the woman seems to be more nitpicking than anything, you know, good night. Chill out. Relax. Not everything in life goes exactly the way that you think. I think a lot of these brides, you know, they, they get so caught up in their wedding day trying to plan everything. You know, your life ain't going to be like that. It's not. As you say, I do, then you're going to think, dear God. <laughs> what do I do? It's called life. You adjust, you adapt, you learn to walk together with each other. The whole journey is unexpected. And if you got kids, talk about unexpected. <laughs> you know, God must have a great sense of humor, you know. Because girls, before they get, when they're teenagers, everything's gross to them. Oh, that's gross. Oh, that's so gross. Dad, you're gross. Oh, that's gross. Oh, that's gross. Oh, mom, the carrots and the peas are touching. It's so gross. Oh, oh, everything's gross. And then they become mothers and they're baptized in grossness. (laughs) They do stuff that makes sailors puke. (laughs) Some little snot-nosed kid comes running up stuff right now. She just reaches with her hand. Oh, come here. Get up. Life will change you, man. It's okay. Relax. Breathe. Enjoy life. Goodness gracious. I was uh, talking uh, in the first service about Pastor Joel. Is, 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 uh, the few times that I've gone into overseas or the third world countries, you know, you're not there very long before you, you almost start, I do, I start uh, envying them. I mean, a lot of these guys, they, they live in cardboard shacks. They got nothing. But they worry about nothing. Their whole life, life is just worry-free, man. They're just chilling out and smiling. And I think, man, who's, who's got the advantage here? You know, the people who have everything and are constantly freaked out all the time? Or the people who have nothing? And I'll tell you what. Those of us who have everything and worry need to stop. You're going to have to explain to God someday how you could live in the most blessed nation on earth and we're constantly in a state of fear. Most of us don't have to face a nano bit of what most other people in the world have to deal with. And they're not freaked out. We need to walk in faith. Chill out. It'll be okay. There's a God in heaven who loves you, who will take care of you. Say, I don't believe that. That's why your life stinks. (laughs) It is. Stop. Relax. It'll be okay. True love or true joy comes from just letting go. Total surrender to God. This is where this is where you can really experience joy. Talking about not worrying and chilling out. So it's all about just let it go. Surrender. A lot of us we come to God with our list of stuff that we won't surrender. I actually hear people say, well, I'll go to church as long as I don't have to give up this. And, or as long as God doesn't tell me to do this. Or I'm not going to do this. And, and I'll come to church, but I'm not going to raise my hand. You know, 
you know, and you watch them, you know, it's kind of, after they've been here a while, they'll start, you know, kind of half-masked. And they finally, they finally work their way. Oh, that's good. That's all right. We'll, we'll, you know, just, it's cool with us. Whether you raise your hand or not, I, I don't care. But, uh, you know, a lot of us, we, we come with the list of what I'm not going to do. I ain't going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to give money. And I'm not going to do whatever. I'm not going to give up this. I like what I do in this area. I don't care what the Bible says. And, and you come with these lists. And you can't get to real joy that way. True joy comes when you tear all the lists up. And say, Jesus, I don't care. I don't care what you ask for me. I don't care what it takes. I don't care who it associates me with or who it separates me from. I want to love you. I want to know you. I want to fellowship with you. That's where you can start really walking in celebration and joy. I'm going to ask our ushers to come and get ready to serve us communion as we bring our service uh, to a close this morning. Uh, Those of you guys in the uh, Celebration Cafe watching by video, uh, just continue to stay with us as we get ready to serve communion here. And the worship team can uh, come up here as well as the worship team down at the uh, campuses as well. Everybody getting ready as we all worship God together. My question to you this morning is, have you surrendered to Jesus? Have you surrendered to the one who surrendered everything for you? You have to understand, when Jesus came, he surrendered everything. He gave of his very self. That's what we're celebrating in communion. When we talk about the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. He allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed so that we could have forgiveness of sins. It was a huge sacrifice. And he wasn't crazy about the idea. I said, this was a big cost. In fact, he prayed in the garden, Father, if there's any way I can get out of this thing, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, yours be done. Again, he had no list. And he was completely obedient, even to death on the cross. And it was his sacrifice that makes it possible for us to have forgiveness of sins. You can't be good enough. You say, well, I'm a good guy. I'm not that bad. Well, you can't be good enough. If you could have been good enough, he'd have just told you, be good enough. He wouldn't have gone to the cross. He wouldn't have endured that agony that we're going to be focusing on uh, next Friday when we have our Good Friday service at 1 o'clock. If you can come out be part of that, we're just going to be reflecting on the suffering, the death of Jesus that day. Then on Sunday, Easter Sunday, his, his resurrection, this was, this was a big deal. The Son of God, perfect, faultless Son of God, went through all that because we were hopeless. If you could have been good enough, he'd have just said be good enough and passed on all that. But it's not, you can't be good enough. You can't give enough money. If you could have given enough money, he'd have said, hey, just give X amount of dollars and you'd be in. And he wouldn't have gone through all that, but you can't give enough and you can't earn it by doing something special you know people well I'll sacrifice special or I'll do something extraordinary or I'll you know give this supper you know if you could have earned it he'd have said look just earn it and he wouldn't have gone through it you can't earn it there's nothing you can do we were hopeless totally hopeless and then God sends his son into the world He became the Lamb of God. He took the punishment you and I deserve on the cross 
so that we could have forgiveness of sins. That's what this is all about. Before we take communion, I want everybody to bow your head. Everybody in here and everyone down at the cafe and different places watching by video right now. Have you surrendered? Have you surrendered to the God who looks at you and in spite of your sins and failures, He loves you? He sees the best you're capable of? Have you surrendered to this God who loves you so? Who surrendered everything for you? We're going to pray a prayer together. I want to invite everybody to pray this prayer uh, along. And uh, if you will mean this prayer from the bottom of your heart, you can just surrender your heart right now to Jesus. Ask him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I surrender to you this morning without conditions. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Help me to truly know you. Amen.